0: Today's scripture is 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. This is the word of God. Well, hey, good morning to you, uh, to those in this room, to those down in the venue, as well as those worshiping at home. It's good to be here together. I want to mention just a couple things. Uh, Easter is two weeks from today and a couple things in preparation for that. Uh, The first is during uh, Easter... The week leading up to Easter, Holy Week, uh, we will be sending out daily uh, video devotionals. And so if you get the e-blast, you will get those videos uh, automatically. If you're not currently signed up for the e-blast and would like to get those uh, communications, uh, please sign up for the e-blast. You can do that. going to the Church Center app to the connection card. There's also another little link there that just says sign up for the e-blast. The other thing Julie mentioned on the Church Life videos, uh, where we ha- continue to have, you know, limited seating. We want to make sure we have enough space in each of our services for Good Friday. So uh, we, we don't register for many of our worship gatherings, but for this we do want to ask you to register and let us know when you're, you're coming. And uh, if, like, if you sign up for the 530 and later find that we need to go to a, a later service, those changes can be made. But it just helps us know if there's any kind of adjustments we need to make to make sure we have space for everyone for uh, Good Friday. Well, it was, um, it was a year ago last Sunday that we canceled in-person worship services, and uh, that was the first of many changes that, that we began to make. Uh, you know, groups went uh, online. I mean, there was just all sorts of things that began to disrupt how we did church and, and how we were able to experience fellowship. I, I would not be telling you anything you didn't know if I said the pandemic has been very disruptive to our experience of fellowship, right? We've all experienced that. And fellowship is really vital for us, right? It is vital for the Christian life. It's through biblical fellowship that we pray for one another. We encourage one another. We build each other up in the body of Christ. It's through biblical fellowship that we use our gifts for the mutual good of the body. Fellowship is simply vital. As much as this pandemic has been disruptive to our fellowship, I want to suggest something this morning that's a greater threat to fellowship. Than the separation this pandemic has caused this is something that's a little more insidious it's a little more hidden it's a little more like cancer inside our bodies when we're not aware of it what am i talking about sin but not just sin sin that we're not honest about sin that we aren't dealing with sin that is uh yeah just not addressed i want to suggest this is a greater threat to our experiencing real, genuine biblical fellowship than anything a pandemic can do. The answer to this threat is something that John will address in the passage that we look at today. Today we're looking at 1 John 1 verses 5 through 10 as we continue to make our way through through this book. John's going to look in this section about issues related to fellowship and, and sin, And as as we will see, the main principle that John will teach in this passage today is that to have fellowship with God, we must walk in the light. To have fellowship with God and with each other, we must walk in the light. To the degree that we do that, we have fellowship with God and therefore fellowship with one another. And so John, in this passage, he's going to start by making a statement about who God is, a statement about God's nature. And then he's going to flesh out some implications of how we live in light of who God is related to sin and fellowship and these things. And so I want to look first at what he says about God and then some of the implications about it. And so he says first, we must understand that as we seek fellowship with God, that God is light. As we seek to have fellowship with God, as we seek to walk with him, we need to understand that God is light. Look at verse 5. He says, this is the message. We have heard from him, and we proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. Light and darkness, these are themes in both the Old and and the New Testament, right? And so light refers to things that are holy and pure and true. It refers to revelation. Darkness refers to sin and error and ignorance and lack of revelation. And so to declare that God is light is to make a statement that in his essence, he is holy, he is pure, he is true. God is light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. John could not say this any stronger than he did. It's literally like in him is no darkness, none, none at all. He's light. He's only light. You know, sometimes when we think about fellowship and and walking with God, we, we really only want to think about God is love, right? We want to start there and think about God's love. God is love. John's going to talk about that. God does love us, but John doesn't start with God is love. John starts here with God is light, God's holiness. So if we want to walk in fellowship with God, we need to live in light of this truth. This truth governs everything about how we relate to God. We're not relating to one who is like us. We are always relating to a God who is Holy. And so this has implications for for our lives, how how we seek fellowship. And so John's going to go on in verses 6 through 10, and the main thing he's going to say is that we must walk in the light to have fellowship with God. We must walk in the light to have fellowship with God. Now, in this passage, over and over again, he'll use this phrase, if we say, if we say, if we say. He's talking about possible scenarios. And, And in doing this, he's addressing claims that were being made by these false teachers who had left the church. Each of these claims are related to how they wrongly understood sin and its effect. Their claims cannot be true if God is light. And so after each of these claims, John counters with truth. And and this is truth that we need to see, truth that's helpful for us to understand how to address sin in our lives. So here's the first false claim. False claim number one, our sin doesn't affect fellowship with God. Our sin doesn't affect fellowship with God. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. The fact that John says we is a way to both address the false teachers but also he's humbly including himself in this. He's including us in this possibility as well. And so in this first claim, it's a situation where someone's saying, I have fellowship with God while I'm walking in the darkness. He said that's, that's kind of what they're, they're claiming. And so it's possible that these false teachers were teaching a kind of theology that said what you do in the body doesn't matter to you spiritually, like the physical doesn't touch the spiritual. And so your sin in the body doesn't affect spiritually how you're doing With God. But John's answer to this the person who makes this claim to have fellowship with God while walking in the darkness, while walking in sin, he says that person is actually a liar and they don't practice the truth. Scripture clearly and consistently teaches that sin always disrupts fellowship with God. We cannot walk in the darkness and be in fellowship with God, it just doesn't work. Sin always disrupts fellowship with God. So the truth is, We have fellowship with God and with each other by walking in the light, as we walk in the light. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so to, to walk in the light means that we live in a way that's consistent with God's character. We walk in truth. We walk in purity. John says if this is the pattern of our lives there are two results. First we have fellowship with one another. And it's kind of interesting that he goes there, right? He says we have fellowship with one another because in the previous verse he's talking about fellowship with God, but now he goes even further and he says that we have fellowship with one another. Back in verse 3 he he made this connection that that our fellowship that there's a connection between fellowship with one another and fellowship With God, and so I think what John is saying here is that that when we walk in the light, we then have fellowship with God, which is how we really have fellowship with one another. And so I think he's just taking it a step further when he says it this way. The second result of walking in the light is that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Again, we always understand Scripture in light of the rest of Scripture, right? And so the rest of Scripture, when we we look at that, we understand that when we trust Christ, we are forgiven for our sin. We have full and complete forgiveness for our sin. We also know that we are cleansed from sin in an absolute sense. That's what the cross of Christ did, and when we trust Him, that is ours. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 6.11, the Apostle Paul writes this, He says, and such were some of you. He's been discussing areas of sin, the ways they walked in sin. He said, and such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. These things are done. These things are accomplished. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so Paul's talking about the moment we trust Christ, we are forgiven. And there's this absolute, we are cleansed from our sin. And yet, and yet, John tells us there is still this need for ongoing cleansing. That's what John's talking about. As believers who are forgiven, our sin, if we're not addressing it, it disrupts our fellowship with God. And so we need to experience this fresh cleansing from our sin. That's the first false claim in truth. So second false claim, it goes kind of a step further, and it's the claim to not even have sin. We have no sin. Look at verse 8. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I mean, this is a claim that goes against the clear and consistent teaching of Scripture, right? We are forgiven in Christ. We become new creations in Christ. But Scripture consistently teaches that while we continue to live life in these bodies on this earth, we will continue to do battle with sin. It's just the nature of life in this world, And so if I am saying I have no sin, I have to be so self-deceived to think I have no sin, right? I mean, for me to say I have no sin would be to say I have loved God perfectly in every thought, in every word, indeed, I've done what I should and I haven't done what I shouldn't. I've loved God with my whole heart. I've loved my neighbor as myself perfectly. All the motivations have been perfect in all of these things. I mean, think how self-deceived I would have to be. think i have no sin right i mean it's it's an elevation of my own goodness and it's certainly a bringing down of god's holy standards the dangerous thing about this kind of self-deception is we won't actually do what we need to do to continue to walk in the light and that is to be honest about our sin John says that if we want to have fellowship with God, we must walk in the light as God is in the light. And the way we do this is not by ignoring our sin. It's not by minimizing our sin. It's not by saying, I don't have sin. It's by being honest. It's about bringing out into the light. And so that's the second truth. We we don't claim to have no sin. No, we need to confess our sin. We need to confess our sins. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To confess means to admit. It means to agree. It means we actually see it from God's perspective. And it's not just a verbalizing of the words, God, I agree. It's like at a heart level, you're saying, I see it the way you do. You're right, God, I'm wrong. This is, this is, this is sin. And, and, and we, we agree with it. We don't deny it. We don't minimize it. We admit it. We own it. John also uses the present tense of this word confess, if we confess. And so it's, it's the idea of, it's, it's not a one-time accomplished action. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing. We continue to confess. We are confessors as a lifestyle because we continue to, to sin, right? And so we continue to confess as a lifestyle. And we confess specifically. He doesn't say if we confess our sin, singular. He says cons- sin, plural, in other words, we need to be specific about our sin. We don't just vaguely, generally say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I sinned. We, we name it. God, I was angry. That was deceitful. That was greedy. That was lustful. Whatever it is, we, we, we name it. We call it by name, and we agree that in doing that thing, we've done what is wrong before. A God who is light. When we admit our sin to God, John says that God will do two things. First, he says he will forgive our sins. Remember, John is writing to believers who he's trying to give assurance of salvation. He's writing to believers who are forgiven. And yet, he's saying there's this need to confess sin in order to receive a fresh experience of that forgiveness. Secondly, John says that God will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, again, we are cleansed, but we need to confess that we might experience fresh cleansing from the stain of all of our sins. Let me use this illustration to, to try to explain what I think he's describing here for us. Our family, we're trying to get a, a vacation plan for this summer. We've got four kids, and two of them are married, and we've got a couple grandkids. We're trying to get together for vacation. Let's say we, we pull it off. We're gone to vacation somewhere and there's a night something goes a little wrong and one of my sons gets mad at me over dinner and says some unkind things, some untrue things, some harsh things, gets up from the table, walks out of the room, slams the door, just, you know, leaves the room angry. And let's say over the next couple days, nothing is said. Um, He doesn't address it. What's what's going to be like to be in that room? A little tense, maybe? little strained, little little bit, right? Are we in fellowship? No. But at that moment, is that son of mine still my child? Of course they are. They're still part of the family, right? That's my son. He's still part of the family, but our fellowship is hindered. And so what John is telling us here is like, so like what my... Son would need to do in that situation to restore fellowship. He would need to come to me and admit his wrong and and confess it, and I would be able to forgive him, and, and, and that would kind of restore our fellowship. That is what John is talking about in this passage. When we sin, it's not like we jump in and out of relationship with God. It's our fellowship that's disrupted. And so we need to confess. This is what John's talking about. And when we do, he says there's two things. When we get honest about our sin, there's two things about God that we're going to experience. We're going to experience that God is faithful to forgive us. He's faithful in the sense that he's promised us he would forgive. And so he's faithful to do that. We're also going to experience he's just. Just in the sense that Jesus has died on the cross. He's made a provision for sin. And so it is just that God would actually then forgive us because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And so you can see how dangerous the second lie is, right? If I say I have no sin, if I deny I have sin, I'm not going to be honest about it. I'm not going to be addressing it. And I'm going to be moving away from fellowship with the God of light, right? I'll be moving into darkness. Now, confession is really important. I want to come back to talk about that at the end. But but I want to look at the last verse where John states a third false claim. And this one is really just restating the second one in in a little different way. But the false claim number three is we have not sinned. We have not sinned. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. In this case, he's not saying the one claiming this is a liar. He's saying if you say this, you're actually calling God a liar. Because God's the one who says we continue to sin. He's made that statement. We continue to have sin. We continue to struggle with sin. And so if I say I don't have sin, I'm actually calling God a liar. And his word is not in us. And so, three false claims. And as as John addresses these false claims, he helps us understand the point that to have fellowship with God, we must walk in the light. To have fellowship with God, we must walk in the light. And central to walking in the light is being honest about our sin. So here's a question do you confess your sin? Are you a confessor of your sin as a lifestyle? That's the invitation here. And God will be faithful and just to continue to forgive us and cleanse us. But are you a confessor of your sin? As we grow in Christ, as we experience maturing and sanctification, the work of the Spirit in our lives is that this, this, this sin continues to hopefully get put away. We, 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 we grow up in Christ and we sin less and less, but we will still continue to struggle with sin. In some, way, t- in some senses, we continue to get closer to a God who is light. We just continue to see more of the, the what's not light in us, right? So this is something we're always going to struggle with. And so, I want to offer some practical ideas about how you can practice confessing your sin as a lifestyle. And the first one here is probably the most important, it's the most central, and that's simply just confess your sin as you become aware of it. You know, you don't have to wait till next Sunday or, you know, some event down the road to confess it. Confess it as soon as you're aware of it. So let's say, you know, I'm at the grocery store later today and someone's pretty rude and cuts in front of me, their cart hits my cart, and and I, you know, I have this response of anger, call them a bad word in my mind. Uh, I don't want to say it out loud, but let's say I do in my mind. And right away, the Spirit of God's like, Brian... Uh, you're responding to that situation, with that's sin, anger, you know, and calling them a name. Right then, I can just say, you're right, God. I, that, I'm, I sinned. I'm sorry. I see it the way you do. And I just confess it right there. And, and in that process of I sinned, but I'm honest with it and I confess it, I just continue to walk in the light. There's no jumping into the darkness there. I sinned and I confessed it as soon as I was aware, as I was aware of it. That, that really is the core of what it looks like to be a confessor, is to live that way. There are some other things that we can do to practice this more as a discipline, though. Um, so there's something called a prayer of examine that you could practice. And uh, the prayer of examine is something you could do at night, like every night you go to bed, you could practice this. And the prayer of examine is the idea that at the end of the day, you're just going to take a little bit of time to reflect on your day with God. So God, help me think through my day here. How, how did, how, what was my walk like today? Where did I stray from you? Where did I go my own way? Sometimes we get real busy in our days, and we're not really sensitive to the spirit of God's promptings. And so the prayer of examine is a time just for a few moments to say, God, show me, is there any way I went astray today? And you can confess it as you go to sleep. What a great thing, right, at the end of your day to just make sure the slate is clean with God in that way. Third, you could use communion Sundays to for self-examination and confessing of sin. When, when we understand what Paul teaches about confession and the Lord's table, he, he instructs that we should examine ourselves. We should come to the Lord's table prepared, and part of that preparation is just acknowledgement of sin. And so we have this rhythm built into the life of the church that once a month we gather for, for the Lord's table, and we can take that time to be honest about our sin and confess it. Fourth, uh, this is called something, uh, make a sin list. Now, this may sound like too morbidly introspective or whatever to make a list of sin. Uh, I have done this, though. I've done all of these. Uh, these are practices of mine. And so the idea of a sin list would be maybe, maybe I'm feeling a little distant from God, hard-hearted, or maybe there's just some areas I feel really stuck in in terms of my walk, areas of sin I feel stuck in, and I feel like I need to take some extended time to, to talk to God, allow God to talk to me. And so in doing this, I would you know maybe have an hour, a couple hours, get away, get alone, get quiet before God, and just say, God, search my heart. Show me what's there. Show me my sin. And with a legal pad, just begin writing them down. Really without any reflection on them, but just writing them down. There's been times where I've done this like two pages of legal pad gets full. I hope that doesn't shock you, but uh, you know, sometimes in doing this, God might actually show something that's from a long time ago that I just had never talked to him about. And so the sinless is a way just to let God to speak in. It's not like, Confessing things I've already confessed. It's like, God, what, what do I need to see? And, and then after I have a sense he's done showing me things one by one, name the sin and confess it and claim forgiveness. And at the end of that time, maybe burn that, those sheets up, tear them up, get rid of them as an illustration of what God has actually done with my sin to make a sin list. Another idea, um, use Psalm 51 to give voice to your confession. Christians through the ages have used Psalm 51 to verbalize confession. This is the confession of David after he was confronted about his sin, his affair with Bathsheba and, her, and the subsequent murder of her husband. And this is his confession. And, and sometimes we need you know, help in verbalizing our confession. Finally, um, confess your sin to a trusted friend. Conf- confess your sin to a trusted friend friend. In James, it tells us, confess our sins to one another. And, you know, this may sound like, why in the world would I want to do this? And uh, again, this is part of my practice. I have a friend that I meet with regularly, and this is part of what we do in our fellowship. We, we talk to each other about our sin. We confess our sin. And uh, there's there's part of what is helpful with confessing your sin to a trusted friend is sometimes we can be deceiving ourselves, and maybe I'm talking to God about my sin, but like if I'm hiding from this kind of friend, am I really trying to bring my sin out into the light? And there's just something powerful about the confession of sin to a brother or sister in Christ. And so it's a real gift that we can do this. If you're going to do this, um, make sure it's someone who can keep confidences, right? You don't want a a gossip uh, to confess to. You want also someone that will not respond to your confession and say, ah, oh, it's not so bad. You want them to, to hear your confession and to, to, you know, feel the weight of it. You also want it to be someone that knows how to live in grace, right? Um, confess your sin to a trusted friend can be a very helpful thing. Fellowship is vital to our Christian lives. It's vital, right? We've been reminded of this truth this past year as fellowship has been disrupted by COVID. Thankfully, slowly, we're getting back to normal, able to come together. That barrier is being removed. But may we be serious about the barrier of sin. May we we see the threat of not being honest about our sin, of minimizing our sin. May we rather be people who walk in the light and be honest about our sin. May we live as confessors that we really could have fellowship with the God of light and therefore fellowship with one another. Life-changing fellowship with one another. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful for Christ. We're thankful that he has come. And as we're going to celebrate here in a couple weeks, uh, he made a payment for our sin. We're thankful that when we trust Christ, we experience full and complete forgiveness. We experience cleansing. And yet, God, we see John telling us that there needs to be this practice of ongoing confession, ongoing honesty about sin that we might have fresh experiences of forgiveness, of confessing, uh, of uh, cleansing. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to, to be confessors as a lifestyle, that we would continue to be honest with you about our sin, and that we would experience then that you are faithful and just to forgive us from all our sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.